Welcome to A Love for the Bible, Series 6, Session 1. This is Dave Clark. Series 5, Session 20, I began a discussion of the seven letters of Paul, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and 1st and 2nd Timothy. And I did this to share an introduction to these letters, with the source being the New Living Translation Study Bible by Tyndale House Publishers. Today, Helen and I will be sharing passages from each of these letters and how they impacted us. So Helen, could you start us out with this? Um, well, I'm gonna start with Ephesians and um, I wanted to just summarize a little bit. I think Dave did last time that the book of Ephesians was written by Paul while he was in prison and to the Christians at the city of Ephesus. Basically it's six chapters the first three chapters go through who we are in Christ and our doctrine about being saved by grace and not by works. And then the last three chapters talk about more on how to live. So I um, picked out a, a few of the um, verses from that that I thought capsulized a little bit of the doctrine part in um, Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10, where he just re-emphasizes fact and it says this for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves it is the gift of god not by works so that no one can boast this is a theme that paul wants every christian to understand that we don't work our way to heaven so i there's a um many verse many you know explanations there but that seemed to be his main point was that you are saved by grace that it's not anything we've done ourselves um, a verse in the how to live that I liked and have been trying to learn to live by is Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, so it may benefit those who listen. Right. And, you know, I, I think about how Paul really emphasized the, the need to tell his readers or listeners to uh, the importance of being saved by grace and not by works because they were used to kind of like Moses and the Ten Commandments and the rules. And, and so this was kind of some, something new to a lot of them as far as, uh, you know, living by grace and by grace being saved. Now, I'd like to share uh, some verses that were quite impactful for me from Ephesians. And this is uh, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. And let me read these. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God, 
that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand, to stand. Therefore, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, for example, towards the end of this, in verse 17, where it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That I have been uh, benefited meditating on scripture that the Lord has been telling me. And one verse I am cur currently meditating on is from the Old Testament, Proverbs 3, 5, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now I find it, that related to this, I find as a Christian that I have the Holy Spirit, which guides me throughout the day. And I think Galatians 6, 16 in the New Testament says this, well, I say then, walk in the spirit and you not, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then verse 18, praying always without prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end without perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And the way I have applied this is to have meaningful prayer at the beginning of each day. And I find that communion with God helps me to be strong in the Lord through the whole day. So, Helen, why don't you, uh, did you have any other thoughts of, on this? Or, or did you want to just go on to the next one? Um, I'll go on to Philippians, which okay. I think is our next one. And that's actually one of my favorite books. So I, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, it was written in AD 61, again by Paul. And he's also in, in prison, right? Yes, he's in prison because the Philippians, they had sent him some gifts and he wanted to thank them. And this book in particular, um, he's encouraging them. He doesn't have a lot of things to correct them about. So he spends the whole book really just encouraging and affirming them, telling them, yes, how to live, but just, um, just encouraging them. And I think in the book of Philippians, the, the, the key word in Philippians is rejoice. It's used over and over again from Philippians 1 and all the way through Philippians 4. So um, I, I like that. Um, Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Um, some of the things in Philippians that I like to turn to, um, and I really encourage you to read, it's so beautiful, is Philippians 2 verses 1 to 11, and I won't read it, I'll let you read it, but um, they talk about how we should treat each other, and that we should take Jesus as our model of being a servant, and not requiring people to acknowledge all the great positions we're in, you know, your titles, and your everything, but but being a servant of all, as Jesus was, and um, it's, it's just a beautiful um, set of verses. I also like, and I've heard many times people quote to me, and you know, when, when we 
get wrapped up about all the things we get said about Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And this is a promise. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and might, minds in Christ Jesus. So I have done that and thought, okay, if I pray and I'm not anxious, I will get peace. And that's the one thing when we're anxious that we really want is peace. And sometimes peace doesn't come right away because we can't see the end of the situation. But if we turn it to God, we can have peace now before we see the end of a situation. And finally, um, I really like the next verse, which is um, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that's really a way to get peace. So when you start having your, your head filled up with bad news or or things you're worried about, pick out something that is true, what's right, pure, lovely, and admirable, and think about that and see how it changes your attitude right then. You know, anyway. uh, something that was just kind of hit me was how uh, Philippians is saying some of the same things as Ephesians, and it's in the sense of the importance and value of prayer. And it said, be anxious not, but pray about everything. And then in Ephesians, it also said to, uh, to, take, uh, to pray at all times. So both of them were saying that importance of prayer to strengthen you as, as Christians. And so I found that interesting coming from both of those letters. All of them do. And so yeah. if you go on to Colossians, it's very similar. You know, the same thing is the same writer, Paul. He's saying the same things to everybody. And if he came to our church today, he would be saying the same things to us because it's what it's what makes the Christian life. It's what makes us be like Jesus is those things. So, uh, yeah, you'll find some duplications, maybe said a little differently in each each um, uh, chap in each letter. But each letter is kind of meant to tell people the same things, who we are in Jesus and how we should live. Mm -hmm. So uh, what, what, what's the next one that you would like to share with us? Um, well, Colossians was written about the same time as Ephesians. And interestingly enough, it was written again from prison by Paul, who uh, he was stuck in prison. And, and actually he, you know, he looked at it and said, well, I can't be going out in person to do ministry, but because I'm stuck here, other people are doing ministry. So the church at Coloss was an example of that. He had a, another person, um, Epaphras, who had been actually teaching the believers in Coloss. And now uh, Epaphras, I hope I'm saying that right. But, um, you know, he's now, he's now actually in prison himself, but he was the one that did the teaching at Coloss. So Paul's letter to the Colossians, he doesn't know them personally, hasn't ever been to their church, but he's going to say a lot of the same things. Um, you know, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And just like Ephesians, which we didn't talk about there, but there is the, um, the admonitions that wives should submit to our husbands. Husbands should love our wives. Children should obey our parents. 
Um, slaves should obey their masters. Some of this is controversial, but it doesn't, it all works together, I guess. Um, and then finally, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And I've used that at my job, actually, when if, you know, you get in, in disagreements with the person above you and supervisor, well, I really see it this way and they really see it that way. And you have to just sit down and say, hey, I'm working for the Lord and I'm going to do my best here. And I'm not going to worry about who's in charge and who's right. I'm going to work at it with all my heart and work for the Lord. It gives me a lot of peace to do that. So those are, those are my thoughts on Colossians. You know, another thing uh, that kind of uh, struck me was he used the uh, analogy of clothing. And, and, and in Ephesians, the one I had shared, he gave the analogy of putting on your armor. So oh, each, yeah. each is kind of the same idea. You put something on to, yeah. you know, to kind of protect you and to guide you. So. I hadn't thought about that. That's um, true. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to put clothes on or you're going to put armor on. I guess clothes for me makes more sense. <laughs> I've never been in the army, but, but yeah, to really like just immerse yourself in it. Yeah. Don't just dabble at it, but immerse yourself in these things. Uh -huh. Right. Okay. Uh, now, I think uh, you have something from First and Second Thessalonians, too. Yep. I looked at them all. So <laughs> First Thessalonians. Okay. So first of all, to, to understand Thessalonians, um, you, you need to take a look at Acts chapter 17, because that will tell you what happened when Paul visited the city of Thessalonica. And this is actually written before the other, um, other letter, letters that we just looked at. It was written about 10 years before, I think. And, and he was doing his missionary trip and he had barely escaped a jealous mob. He'd been preaching for a few weeks and then there was a, a mob stirred up that said, we want this guy out of the city. And they went down to the center square and they got some, it says, it says Luke says, they got some bad characters and went and they, and they actually started a riot. So Paul somehow escaped being found by the riot. But unfortunately, the mob people got the new believers and they dragged them out of their homes and down, you know, down to the courts and accused them of, you know, not being loyal to Caesar and all kinds of things like that. So it wasn't just Paul that was rejected there. It was actually the believers. So after Paul left the city, he wanted to find out, did they survive this? Are they still going to be believers or was this just too much for them? So he wrote this letter and he wanted to commend them because he found that they, um, he had sent, I forget who he'd sent back there to, to check on them, but they, they were still thriving. They were still a church. And so he wanted to commend them for their steadfastness and persecution. So there are a lot of good verses about what happens when people have been uh, persecuting you various ways for your faith. Um, and one of the verses that uh, is in Thessalonians that, that talks about that is make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. These guys were wronged, you know, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. So, you know, Something that I was thinking about re regarding Thessalonians is this is for uh, newer Christians. And so he's really is kind of uh, holding their hand, I think, and helping them and encouraging them. So I think that that's interesting to see how his words really uh, will uh, apply for uh, newer Christians. In, in yeah. They're new, but they also grew up fast. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. We, we haven't been, you know, we, I haven't been dragged out of my home for my faith yet. You know, mm-hmm. I hope I never am, but mm-hmm. and these guys had to grow up fast, mm-hmm. but you know, he said that, you know, they suffered the same thing he had suffered and in, in not just in Thessalonica, but other places. And he, they suffered the same thing that Jesus suffered. So they were identified together. Mm-hmm. Um, so second Thessalonians was written a few months after the first. And like, like you said, they, they are kind of new Christians and they were confused about some doctrines. And then there were some people, they, they, they all, I think, believed that Jesus was going to come back like within the decade or, you know, just within a few years. So, so Paul never said, just sit back and then wait, just sit back and wait. He never said that. But some of the people in, in Thessalonica, I guess, thought, well, if Jesus is going to come back, why should I go to my job? You know, why should I do anything? I'm just going to enjoy sitting around. So he had some strong words for that. Um, in first, Second Thessalonians 3, 10 to 13, he said, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that we've heard that saying. It actually is in the Bible. If you don't work, you don't eat. And he also says, we hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. Encouraging. Okay, let's go to uh, First and Second Timothy. And once you have something, say what you have to share, and then I will uh, end with what I have to share. Um. The first Timothy is, they're written to the man, Timothy, who is one of Paul's um, favorite people to work with. He's young, a lot younger than Paul. He's a young Christian who has been young, who has been a Christian since he was quite young. And that has been uh, very special for Paul to see him growing in the Lord. He's, uh, they, they, uh, Paul sent him back to Ephesus to stay and help help the people there to uh, sort out wrong doctrine from right doctrine. So Timothy's in a position of being a young guy, having to go to people maybe who are older than he is and rebuke people who are telling the wrong doctrines and help the people who are doing the right doctrines. And so it's kind of a difficult situation. Um, there, I, I didn't pick out those verses because I guess I'm older. <laughs> so. I, I was looking at a few other things that that he says to, about how to how to organize the church, and one of them was with widows. And we just had my mom stay with us for a number of years, and we took care of her. And it wasn't an easy thing to do, um, but but Paul, you know, reminds Timothy that people need to take care of their relatives, and that this pleases the Lord. And if they don't, uh, he has some harsh words about that. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So um, it pleases God that we take care of our relatives. Um, so anyway, that that was one of the things that that um, I was thinking applies to me. And I, I'm also now kind of helping other people take care of their relatives when it gets to be too much for them. So. That's a good thing. We need yeah. to help our. We need to help people who can't help themselves. Oh. Yeah, I I thought of that too. You know, I 
I helped to take care of your mom and, and also my mom. And, and, but that verse was an encouragement that that is a good thing to it to really good thing to help your your parents and the old, older people in the church yeah. so why don't i go ahead and share my uh verse okay and this is second timothy 2 15 and this is be diligent to uh, present yourself approved to god a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth so this is was a really have been a motivating me verse of automation for me to read through the entire bible and i've been doing it for each of the last 13 years and i know you've done it this or even longer but this process of looking at the bible as a whole has helped me to see the relationship between the old and new testaments and how jesus fulfilled the prophecy for a messiah this was expressed by the old testament prophets and it's also helped me to understand the role of the law expressed through moses in the old testament towards making the standard which Jesus came to fulfill. So when I read individual passages in the Bible, I am less likely to misinterpret them because I can better see the context in which they were written. And all of this was motivation for me to write uh, my, the books I've written, and one, A Path to the Bible, first and second edition, and A Heart for the Bible. And A Path to the Bible was written to provide a structure to help individuals to divide the truth in the Bible as they read it through, such as giving insights, of, examples of insights that others have found in reading it, so they can compare what they get out of it with what others get out, have gotten out of it. And then a heart for the Bible was written to provide a motivation to others to have a, a daily habit of reading the Bible, either all the way through or looking intently at specific sections, in other words, rightly dividing it. And for example, I provide examples of others who have regularly read and benefited from it, such as several of our past presidents. So any other thoughts you would like to share, Helen, regarding first and second um, Timothy? I think I would encourage people based on, you know, again, what you're saying about reading the whole Bible, don't be afraid to read the Old Testament. Um, it's very important when you consider that all of the people that are in the New Testament, you know, they, they, that was their scripture. That's what they knew. And, and so that was their background for what they, you know, that was their background and they relied on that. So when you read the New Testament, you'll often see a lot of verses from the Old Testament. So we, we really, um, we owe it to ourselves to find out what the Old Testament says, I think. Mm -hmm. And, and oftentimes we're very, I, I've been very surprised um, when I took the challenge to do that. Um, I took it from one of our pastors and I did it for a couple of years and I didn't know you were going to start doing this so much, Dave, you know, but I just, I just thought, well, he kept saying it was life changing. And I wondered in what ways, you know, so, um, but I found that it was a way to learn to love God more and seeing that, that even in the old Testament, God loved his people and he's been loving his people from the time he created humans to now. You know, he's always been loving his people. He loves us now. And, and the fact that Jesus came down, it's not some abrupt change from the way the Old Testament was. It's just another way that God loves his people. He realized we cannot, we cannot follow all those laws that they have in Leviticus. It's a bit overwhelming. We can't even follow the Ten Commandments all that well and um, live up to them. So, you know, he, he gave us Jesus to forgive us our sins. So... 
Um, I'll just say one more thing about 2 Timothy. Um, this is where Paul is writing to Timothy. It's his last letter that we have from him in the New Testament. And it's very personal. It's kind of heartrending because he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know, what a neat thing to be able to say, you know, at the end of a person's life to say that. I know he had, you know. And then um, he, he kind of says, you know, I was, whatever he'd gone through court, he says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. And he, he says, only Luke is still with them. So, and he asked Timothy to go and bring a coat to him because he's cold, you know, for the winter. I don't even know, you know, I don't think we know whether Timothy ever made it back to, to see him again, or that was the last, we don't know. But for sure, Paul fought the good fight and he's encouraged all of us to do the same. And uh, so we're fighting the good fight. So. Right, yes. Well, thank you, Helen. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for Series 6, Session 1 of A Love for the Bible. Series 6, Session 2 will air beginning Tuesday, December 27th at 8 a.m. Bye.